Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio Time. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing Solutions and the Inked Marketing Solutions crowdfunded comic for this here episode is Enmity. Enmity on Kickstarter right now. Get it while you still can. Brought to you by Morgan Quaid and so many amazing other creators behind this. This is oh, this is good stuff. But from the brains of Morgan Quaid comes Enmity. Emnity is, uh, well, it's it's about Daisy, Lucifer's estranged daughter, and she's got to save humanity by battling fallen angels in a post-apocalyptic world, um, well, brought by her father's recent unwillingness to fulfill his role as the devil. So, um, if you're into, uh, you know, uh, humor and apocalyptic and dystopian storytelling and strong female leads, then Emnity is the book for you. Like, honestly, I could have stopped right when it said Lucifer's a strange daughter. Bam. Into it. What are you going to put her in? Oh, you're going to have her go up against your dad and save the world? I'm into it. I'm into it. It's metal, and that's what I like in my comics is metal. So head on over to Kickstarter now and back Enmity. E-N-M-I-T-Y. Mm-hmm. On Kickstarter now. Proudly brought to me to bring to you by Inked Marketing Solutions. Podcast recommendations, you ask? Brian Wayne here, co-curator of The Apocalypse, And I know, that sounds gnarly. That's because it is gnarly, man. The Apocalypse. What is The Apocalypse? The Apocalypse is a culmination of the gnarliest podcast, independent podcast, the internet has to offer. So instead of trying to go to Twitter the next time you uh, need a new podcast to listen to and try to get Twitter famous, podcast recommendations, please. Just think The Apocalypse, man. And... It's ironic because the apocalypse is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Just go to podchaser.com. It's it's in the top list. The top list in the whole world. So whether you're looking for true crime, sports, uh, role-playing, I don't know, anything, anything. Think of a podcast. It's on the apocalypse. It's like the apocalypse with a D. Hmm. And do not forget to follow The Apocalypse on Twitter as well. Once again, that is The Apocalypse. If you're looking for a podcast recommendation, The Apocalypse is sure to have something for you. Well, hello again. Welcome. 
welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am Brian Wayne, your host, and this is episode number 325. The 325th episode of the Cheers to Comics podcast will be a creator corner of the creators. Uh, you like that? No? No, it's a creator corner in case you didn't catch that. Maybe I, some people listen to their podcasts at one and a half speed, I'm learning. Did you catch that? One and a half speeders? Hmm? Yeah, that was at regular speed. Did that with my mouth. Uh, <laughs> kind of felt like an auctioneer there. Or maybe like I was uh, rounding out the end of a horse race. And uh, back to comics. So yes, the 325th episode. It is a creator corner. And the, the, the duo. Yes, the duo. Once again, another pair of creators that I cornered on this here episode. Well, uh, they're behind a book dropping on June 28th from Dark Horse Comics. Do I even need to say their names at this point? Uh, I will. I will anyway. Um, the book, Everyone is Tulip, <laughs> uh, coming, like I said, June 28th from Dark Horse Comics. Oh, man. I have Dave Baker and Nicole Goo. Yes, that's who I li- have lined up. For, I'm trying really hard not to rhyme. <laughs> lined up for y'all. There we go. <laughs> I didn't want to say Goo and you at the same time. Um uh, yeah, no, this is an exciting one, people. I had a great time. As a matter of fact, actually, it was kind of a surprise duo because uh, I was just under the impression that I would be talking with Dave, you know, and I would have been perfectly fine with that. But when you just, oh, by the way, here's the girl that did, you know, Shadow Batgirl. No big deal. She's going to be in the podcast, too. Surprise. Yeah, 100%. It was, it was, this was a badass one, people. So um, without further ado, I bring to you the incredible conversation I had with Dave Baker and Nicole Goo. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Nicole Goo and Dave Baker, what's up? Not much. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Dave, how you doing, man? Good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to, to finally be doing this. I love when people reach out to me. It makes my life so much easier. Um, <laughs> it, it's good to know that this podcast is on somebody's radar, other creators radar. So I always, yeah, I always get the warm and fuzzies when I see people from, you know, putting out a dark horse book saying, hey, we want to come on your podcast. So it's, yeah. uh, it's this, this is a good day for me. This is a really good day. Um, well, it's a good day. It's a good day for us because anytime we get to you know, talk about comics and, and meet new, meet new friends, you know, that's cool. That's cool in my book. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Now this is, uh, always, uh, these are my favorite days. These are my favorite days. So, um, you guys are promoting, uh, everyone is Tulip. That's the book coming out of uh, dark horse right now. But before we get into that, we gotta, we gotta make sure that people know who's making this book. Every great, comic book creator or character rather has an origin story and i like to believe that the people that come up with these characters their origin stories uh are, are just as interesting I've, I've never been let down by a creator's origin story so um <laughs> uh, nicole let, let's let's start with you the uh the the writer or i'm sorry the illustrator the artist behind everyone is tulip um when did comics become uh i mean just i guess when did you and comics first cross paths yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what you count as comics or like when you count me being really interested in comics, because I've okay. read, you know, I read newspaper strips as a kid, um, read a lot of like 
Garfield and um, Farside and stuff like that. And all through like middle school and high school, read the paper every day, the comic section. Um, and in middle school, I was really into manga, um, got really obsessed with anime and all that stuff. And I, and after probably about sophomore year, I dropped off and completely stopped reading comics. Um, and I got kind of like, I'm a serious artist now. I'm going to go to art school. I don't mm-hmm. read comics anymore. Um, <laughs> with, with my brother still reading comics and pushing American comics on me. And I just kind of never really connected with it in the same way. And it wasn't until after college um, when I was trying to make it as an editorial illustrator when I met Dave and he was like, you want to make a comic with me? And I was like, no, not really. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's... A, a way that I'd never done that before I had you know when I was in middle school I had a friend who was like let's make a comic together and we like planned it and she started writing it and then she never got far enough for me to draw anything mm-hmm. and so I had never actually sat down and drawn a comic and um Dave and I made an eight-page comic for his um book Action Hospital and um I kind of was initially resistant but I had some free time and I thought it would be fun so after that we just kind of really dove into comics I discovered zine fests and art comics and all kind of different aspects of the industry that I kind of hadn't really tapped into before and that's when I really kind of took hold for me right on did you ever find yourself uh getting into western comic books you said you never really you know uh, yeah I mean like I had read a few things here or there um and then now I'm completely into all of that stuff. Yeah, right. Superhero on. comics, I read uh, Western, you know, quote unquote art comics or uh, like indie stuff, all of that. And especially the thing that really connected with me was going to zine fest and reading self-published comics and just cool, weird zines that people make on their own. And that really was kind of like an inlet for me. And then once I got really obsessed, then I kind of like, I got a job in a comic book shop. I was mm-hmm. reading everything on the shelves and all of that. That's that's how you, I mean, it's a surefire way to make sure that you're really into the industry is get a job behind that counter because you're going to be tested yeah. by everybody that walks <laughs> into that door. And the less you know, the the the, the more, uh, it makes it difficult. So you just, you, you want to know everything. And um, that, that's that's what helped me as a podcaster. I took a job at a comic book store the world's mm-hmm. largest comic book store just i mean it wasn't for the money that's for damn sure i, mean, <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to learn and i mean i i got a crash course i felt like i i did five years in college you know just working at a comic yeah. book store so that, that'll definitely help uh, that's awesome oh, that's awesome you just go from manga and then you kind of fall off and then you have someone like Dave come along and say, let's do a comic. And, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, awesome, hey, man. let's let's doom our lives to to subservience to an ancient archaic art form that most Americans don't even realize still exists. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps. It helps when your new buddy is extremely overly passionate about the thing that you guys are making. That, yeah, this uh, is true. Where did that passion come from, Dave? When did comics cross your path? Uh, they've kind of always been there. Comics is like my religion, man. I, yeah, uh, right yeah, I, I, similar to Nicole, I, you know, I read newspaper strips as a kid, but it was more, uh, Tintin, Tintin, like, oh, okay. yeah, Tintin is the, the thing that really opened me up as a, as a young person to like the potential of comics as a medium. And, and I just, I loved, I love, I love Tintin to this day, you know, uh, racism and, and xenophobia aside, 
Mm-hmm. I I love uh, so much of Hergé's work. And, um, and uh, yeah, from there, I kind of, I read everything, man. I, I still read a lot of manga. I read Bandesene. I read indie comics. I read nonfiction stuff. I read, I, I just got finished reading uh, Showa by Shiguro uh, Miyazuki. Mizuki. Is that his last name? Uh, the basically the uh, it's a nonfiction comic about the history of the Showa era in Japan. Oh, wow. uh, it's super interesting. It's really cool. They had a financial crisis, and it was somewhat similar to our financial crisis in two thousand eight. Except they had roving bands of people that were hunting bankers. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> it was wild. That's insane, man. Yeah, Jeez. it's like something from a science fiction movie. Um, but yeah, it's it. You know, I I I also just like a lot of kind of uh deep divey weird bullshit so i, I kind of read a, a bunch of a bunch of stuff but uh yeah i think comics is the greatest art form uh, in the history of mankind and when well, i met nicole and i was like oh man you draw really well do you want to draw a comic with me she was like yeah maybe and i was like come on it'll be fun let's do this and now, like five years later, she's drawn a book for fucking DC Comics. She created characters in the Batman universe. That's crazy that's, to me. Yeah, no, that that that's amazing. That's uh, <laughs> oh, that 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 that's doing it right there. When you're when you're when you're doing Batman and creating characters in the Batman universe, uh, that's uh, you got pressure on you now, Nicole. Know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got eyes on you. Um, so uh, working with her was this your first comic as well then dave no i've i've been self-publishing since since around like high school basically i mean i'd been making comics since i was a little kid you know like just drawing in sketchbooks and but i I could never figure out how to like reproduce them they were always just kind of like you know loosely loose leaf sheets of paper like i made an x-men fan comic and i made a comic called like pipes and it was about a sentient sewer system where all the pipes came alive and awesome. they had to like fight these like Ghostbuster style plumbers. And I remember that I, the, I was really into Chris O'Donnell and, and uh, cause this was around the time of the, Bat- the Batman movies mm-hmm. in the nineties. And I was really into Bruce Willis cause a diehard. So I just had the main characters in pipes be named Bruce Willis and Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, oh, but you great. know, so I've been I've been self-publishing since. Like, I mean, you know, we've we've made a Nicole and I have made a bunch of comics. I made a bunch of comics before that. Action Hospital was uh, the first thing I started making when I moved to Los Angeles, and that's kind of how I made a lot of friends here in LA. Is I would, you know, get a bunch of people together at my house, and we'd all have drawing parties and kind of group drawing sessions. And and basically, the way the book is structured is it's kind of a it's about this hospital that like services otherworldly creatures or people with extreme needs. And all the characters in the hospital are paired with uh, uh, individual artists. So like Nicole had a character that she always would illustrate. And I always had a character that I would always illustrate. And so whenever, and there's probably about six other people that would all come and go from through the book. And so whenever those characters would show up, I would just call up the those three or four friends and be like your your guys on this page i need you to come over and draw this this you know giant monster or whatever and uh and so that's kind of how it started was like that book was kind of a gateway drug for a lot of my friends some of whom have stick you know stuck with it and really made some cool stuff and others of which who have decided to go in other directions and pursue other artistic pursuits which is also really cool to see um 
and um yeah so i i I just feel like most of the like solid good friends that i've ever made have always been through comics all of the like oh man you like this weird thing too (laughs) you know moments in life has always been through a convention floor or me walking around wearing some comic book deep cut shirt and somebody being like oh i love american flag or grendel or right elf quest or whatever whatever the weird you know like i think one of like i met one of my best friends because i was wearing a, a john stable freelance shirt out in public and they were like hey john stable freelance i remember that and i was like mike grell is cool except for the whole big game hunting thing not really a fan of that <laughs> Um, oh man yeah no it, it's amazing uh the, the relationships that are created through comics i think there's some they, they form quicker and stronger than any other uh i don't know way a relationship can form at least from my experience at least yeah um, mine mine too i mean maybe this is what it's like to be a part of like some sort of evangelical or mormon conglomerate where it's just like oh man you think we're gonna die and go to mars and have 30 virgins too awesome (laughs) but i'm not a part of that subculture so i don't know so i just like have the secret handshake of like kyle rayner is the coolest green lantern (laughs) i love it man i love it so nicole you're uh you're 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 given this task you you choose to accept this task um This call uh, to adventure. Right, I'm the Obi Wan right. Kenobi, and you're the Luke Skywalker. Wait, I had a choice. <laughs> well, well, yes, because you refused the call. That's <laughs> that's Cambellian archetypes. You go, I don't know. That's true. Oh man. Well, so, so you accept the mission, and uh, from this point on, you are now a comic book creator. Um, mm-hmm. Having a you know, for the most part, a a manga type of background from what what you've you know related to and read. And then having to your, your first comic be essentially more of a, a you know, I mean, a, a Western based comic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how, how is this as a, a new illustrator trying to figure out how to do it? I mean, trying to differentiate, you know, where your brain wants to go naturally. And I mean, just talk about the stress initially as a first time artist. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a process. I'm, you know, I went to school for art. I have a BFA in illustration. Um, I took some sequential classes, but they were not uh, comics classes. They were more storyboard or um, like book Mm -hmm. uh, sequential uh, illustration classes. Um, So I had kind of a basis in it. And, you know, even though I am highly influenced by manga, I wouldn't say from like college on that my style looks particularly manga-esque. Though I I suppose recently it's getting more that way, oddly enough. Um, (laughs) But um, I definitely struggled with stuff because I hadn't really um, dived into storytelling in that way before. And a lot of it came with just experience of doing it over and over and over again. And when you make a comic, especially a longer comic, um, you learn as you go because you're forced to, you have to do it. And um, between really diving into reading books and analyzing what made them work and what weird um, ways that they could arrange panels or how to follow, to make an eye follow from the you know top left to the bottom right of a page, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And also having Dave to kind of bounce ideas off of or have him be like, hey, um, you didn't put any gutters on this. Might help. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a lot of things and it's a process, but I think for me, definitely learning by doing and, and reading just everything I could get my hands on at the time were the two things that really kind of 
helped me figure out how to do it. I dig it's it. Such a, that's such a fun period, though. Like, I feel like people, mm-hmm. they're, they're nervous to start things sometimes in life when because they think they're, they're going to suck at it. And it's like, yeah, you'll suck, but then you'll just work at it and you'll get better. Like, you know, every time I kind of figure out a new stylistic avenue that I want to go down illustration wise or think of an interesting narrative mechanic that is like something I've never seen in comics before then I just go out and like read a bunch of stuff that I that is kind of similar or or on the same wavelength in order to try and figure out how to do it and it's that's I don't maybe I don't know maybe I'm just different in that I kind of like that experience of like foraging but I really do enjoy the process of like, okay, this, I, I know this idea is cool. I know my execution of it isn't good yet, but I just need to keep doing it and like learning and, and sculpting the, the means by which to do that. Absolutely. I and I, I, the, I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I also think the beginning stages of that are the, are simultaneously the hardest and the most exciting because mm-hmm. you go from like zero to a hundred really quickly. And then when you're like at a decent point, then, then your progress slows because the jumps that you're making are smaller. You know, right. you finesse this here or you change that there. But when you start out, you're able to make these bigger leaps of like it clicking into place of how to do it, how to make it work. And you really, the acceleration is so much quicker then. And it's a little frustrating being someone who is like competent because then you don't make as big of strides. Yeah, as no, I, no I, I, I agree. As somebody that, attempted myself on the illustration level i mean it was the same thing i was like i don't know if i could do this and then you you know you get a few pages in and i mean zero to 100 that's that's a good way to put it because every i i i always loved finding mistakes because with me that was just learning one more thing not to do like mm-hmm. every, every single mistake i found was like oh, i'm not gonna do that again and it's uh you learn so much faster that way because in the beginning you're gonna make a get ton of mistakes and yeah. yeah i mean as long as you take note that progress that's where that progress comes from and uh, i and love you also, it I, you also have like practical examples through personal experience to hmm. source as your milestones of oh like you just said like i'm not going to do this and i'm not going to do but i will do that as opposed to like being in a class and like the theory of doing something like one of my friends took a comic book making class which you know sometimes people need structure and they need they need the 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 deadlines to be able to meet at in order to achieve the things that we're talking about and so I was like great man that's cool go go take that class and like hone your craft and in the class the teacher had said you know reflections in comics don't work they just anytime there's a reflection in a comic it doesn't work And he, my friend asked me, like, do you think that's true? And I was like, "Uh, what? No, that's so weird and bullshit. And like, that's, that's the kind of like applied logic from someone who doesn't do, but they spend their whole time, like, in theory, talking about the thing as opposed to practically doing the thing and really learning those lessons. I think it's important that you bring that up too, because, you know, a lot of people that listen to this show, they're, they're aspiring creators and they listen to these conversations, you know, I mean, they're, they're taking notes and all of this and, you know, anybody that's in class right now listening may realize that just because, you know, the, 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 whoever's teaching them, 
you know, saying this thing that doesn't, <laughs> I don't know. Experience is, is really where it all comes from. Is, yeah. I mean, you, you could put in, you know, all of the time in class and through textbooks and lecture that you want um, and theory, but in, in the, in the end, I mean, it, it's, it, it's going to take this, this type of experience and God damn, Nicole, the, the, uh, the, the art that I'm looking at here. I mean, this is, these aren't signs of a, uh, a, a rookie artist. By any means. I mean, obviously you've been doing this for, I mean, you, you got Batman creds. I mean, that, that's yeah. like the, the street cred, a street cred right there. You know I mean? You, you could, you cut the line anywhere you want now in the comic book world. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it doesn't show signs of, uh, struggle for, uh, of a new illustrator. And it, it's not something that happens overnight. It, it's really not. Um, and I know that, you know, you go to zero to 100 and you see that progress, but in the end to, to, to get to these types of levels after taking as much time off as you did coming from a whole different background and then having to sit through these classes where somebody tries to teach you how to be creative, you know, that's uh, uh, and then to come out with this, I, I just, I applaud you. I, I, I dig it. Yeah. I do. It's awesome. I, it's a testament yeah. to uh, any creator out there trying to, to, to get to this level. I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person who I could watch a thousand YouTube t- tutorials and not learn a single thing. But if I'm doing those things or following along or, or working on a thing while I'm trying to learn it or doing it on my own, more, more likely, I'm a hundred times more likely to internalize those lessons. And, you know, if Dave and I had started with a 160 page comic, it would have been bad, <laughs> you know, but we did an eight page comic and then we did a, an 80 page comic that is like one background. So I was really just drawing people. And then we did a bunch of like mini comics and I wrote some mini comics and I, you know, they're all really short. Um, and in the process of making those smaller things, I figured out all the lessons that I needed to be able to make a book like Tulip. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not claiming that it's perfect. I'm not claiming that uh, everything is solved and it's the perfect version of the book. I, I look at it and I see, you know, places it could be better or different ways I could have done stuff. I think it came out pretty well, especially, um, with the help of our, um, colorist Ellie Hall, who did a really great job with me kind of figuring out what the book needed to be. I think that helps it a lot, but, you know, all of that comes from five years of practice on books that we've put out, you know, like there's no reason to hide that stuff either. If you really hate it, don't show people, but like, you know, we have built our careers on learning through doing and then putting those things out in the world. I love it. I love it. You're absolutely right. Um, these are, these are amazing words. I'm, uh... This is what the people need to hear. It is. Um, <laughs> this is tell them, Nicole. Tell them. Preach. Yeah, I'm straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm straight. Um, so, you know, you guys have worked together at this point. What 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 leads you to um, specifically? Everyone is tulip. Uh, Dave, is this something that you had been working on in your head for a while and just waiting for the right person to come along? What 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 made this the right thing? So, everyone in t- everyone is tulip is about a young actress. Uh, named Becca, who's from Arizona, who uh, moves to Los Angeles with the goal of becoming a, a, a superstar. You know, she wants to she wants to be in the in the moving pictures, as mm-hmm. they say. And uh, 
And the book follows her as she gets here and has somewhat of a rude awakening that, you know, you don't just walk onto a movie set and become famous. And she kind of works some dead end jobs, struggling to make ends meet here in Los Angeles. And then eventually kind of through happenstance ends up falling backwards into a YouTube performance art series where she kind of gets cast as the this main mercurial otherworldly character that's kind of a, a mixture of somebody like Belle Delphine and Yoko Ono or something like that. Okay. And um, the book itself is kind of about like, how far are you willing to go to get what you want and what lines won't you cross and what compromises are acceptable and what compromises kind of negate the entire pursuit. Um, so that's kind of what the book is about. And then the process of us making it was pretty simple. There's these, this subculture of these online performance artists is a real thing. Nicole and I got both in, really interested in them. And just, Nicole started drawing a couple of these people. And then like everything that we do, kind of it started as a joke where she'd be like, wouldn't it be funny if we did a book about one of these influencers? And I was like, yeah, but there's kind of something there. And then we, we, we went to Thought Bubble in Leeds two years, three years ago, two years ago, I, 17 years ago. We went there <laughs> 95 years ago. And while we were in, you know, after we went to Thought Bubble selling our comics, it's a really cool independent comics convention in Leeds, England, if you aren't familiar. Okay. Um, so after we did that, we, uh, we sold every book we bought, we brought and then threw away our, our suit, like our normal travel, like comics gear suitcases. Cause we normally travel with four suitcases filled with books. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we threw away two of them and then we kept the smaller two and we just like fucked around in Europe for a while. And so this book kind of came from us having nothing to do except talk about this idea over that that trip and then Nicole started doing these drawings and then I started kind of coming up with some ideas we bouncing them off each other like within the book there's this kind of narrative mechanic of nine panel grids where certain panels in the grids are cell phones mm -hmm. um so there were there, there were these kind of like narrative mechanics that I had ideas for costume designs and kind of visual aesthetics that Nicole had ideas for and then like the rough sort of ballpark of the real stories of what these certain people have been through and then we kind of tied all of that together into like some thematic through line threads that we were interested in that then helped us arrive at probably who the main characters are and how we kind of built it together. So the answer is no, I hadn't been thinking about it prior to us doing the book. Nicole was like, we should make this as a thing. And I was like, Oh, that, that's a cool idea. Let's do that. That's awesome. I, I, I love it. I, I, I never, I mean, this is a, an incredibly unique premise. I mean, that was the, the first thing that, that drew me from your, from your email. I mean, you guys have all the creds. I heard Batgirl and I saw Star Trek and I'm like, all right, big names. Let's see what it's about. And then I, 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 What's a re I, 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 I mean, completely unique. I mean, uh, it, it's cool that, you know, it's one thing to, to, to have an interesting concept, but something that could also be, it seems like it's going to be maybe raising some awareness of some sort at the same time. I mean, there could be some, some positivity to come out of this, uh, 
seemingly dark comic. It looks like it's going <laughs> kind of maybe towards a, a, a darker end for sure. Um, but I dig it. That's 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 what I want in my books, man. I mean, I want to be disturbed. I want to feel things. I mean, I want to feel something, whether it's disturbed or laughter or whatever. I, I want to actually feel things. And um, I, I, I was privileged enough. You guys sent me um, a whole bunch of them. And I, I just I got, I got through one. And I was like, All right, I got, I'm going to make sure I don't spoil anything. I mean, one gives me what I need to know about this. And um, yeah, no, it's uh, I think disturbing was probably the best word I have for it. Um, <laughs> I love and, it, too, because I think, you know, somebody who isn't looking at the artwork is probably picturing a very different thing than the actual book is hearing you just you and me describe it. And yeah. I think there's an interesting tension in the way Nicole created the book because Nicole created the book. Like, yeah, I wrote it, but I just made a blueprint. Like <laughs> Nicole created the thing. And that, that's something that really irks me about the way that a lot of people talk about comics, that the writer creates things and the writer is the architect. And like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, that's not the way comics are made. Like anybody who says that doesn't know anything about comics because comics scripting is a blueprint. It's like, it's so open to interpretation and so open to the artist bringing themselves or not bringing themselves. There's so many comics that are made that are not good because the artist was not engaged because the yeah. writer didn't write something specifically for the artist. And I think that's the reason why our book probably succeeds hopefully i it's not for me to say if it fails or succeeds but i think it's really cool because i can look at the pages and see nicole being like at the height of her powers pushing <laughs> you know really trying to make the thing the best it can be and ellie you know them working in concert that's that's amazing so nicole um what 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 brought you down this rabbit hole i mean what made this thing the thing i mean why well, you kind of like you said it came up randomly wouldn't it be funny if we did this um but i i don't imagine that could come up over a million different topics and subjects you know uh what what made this one really the thing that i don't know stuck with you uh, yeah, yeah i mean i think that there's this um i got kind of fascinated with both the aesthetic and the culture of these sort of fashion art youtubers who are trying to make something real on the internet in a, in a way that um, speaks to people, but also on a platform that people have not taken as seriously as say books or films or whatever than that mm. historically. And so there are these, these people trying to get fame or put out a message or um, make some sort of statement on the internet in a way that is so much lower stakes than the film industry. Um, and there is a very specific patina to the people. There's a specific culture behind it and um, the messages that they're trying to, to impart on people. And I just got kind of really fascinated by this idea and what their lives are like and this kind of, um, accelerated fame that happens with social media and YouTube where you go from one day being you know a 15 year old girl making videos in her backyard to incredibly famous with like millions of dollars to put into these videos um it's I don't think there's any other time in our history that we've had people who could make that type of transition so quickly and you know what are the questions that come up 
around that? What does it take to make that kind of art morally? What are you involved in in this situation? How does your life change? Um, all of that stuff is really fascinating to me. And, you know, I there's a couple of them who I was like, these people are so fucking weird that look at these videos like they're not even really doing anything or saying that much, but they feel like they're saying much or a lot because of the way that they're saying it. And um, Dave and I were both kind of watching these videos a bunch and I started doing some drawings of a couple of the people and um, a lot of questions and themes came up while we were having those conversations. Um, and we kind of take most of our books happen that way of like, wouldn't it be so if we made this or like, here's like the seed of an idea. And then we have to talk about, okay, but what's it actually about? Like, what does this story mean? Why are we telling this story? And with everyone is Tulip, we came, it went through a couple phases of like, it was gonna be a little bit more about loss of sense of self in this online identity. And then it turned into, you know, what is the nature of art and, um, reference versus stealing and then it became more kind of what would you sacrifice in order to become famous or to get what you want and all of those seeds are still in the book but we kind of narrowed it down and and massaged the story to kind of fit our needs and um i think it came out pretty well but um all of it was just like dave said conversation after conversation about what the book was what we wanted it to be you know, sometimes we want it to be something and then it ends up being something else through these conversations. Um, so it's a, it's a long process. And, and like Dave said, I think that's the thing that makes our books good is that it's not an, a writer coming to me with a finished script being like, you want to draw this? It's mm -hmm. what do you want to draw? How do we want to tell this story? And molding that thing together. Um, and I think that makes it infinitely more interesting. No, I, I agree. I was just going to say, and there was a, there was a period where this book, which is 160, 180, how many, how many pages is it, Nicole? 169, let's say. 169 page book was originally at one point going to be a series of backup comics in an, an anthology for a larger publisher, which that version of the story would have been completely different. And the reason it fell apart is because the deal wasn't very good. Which mm -hmm. is so ironic because the book itself is about are you willing to take bad deals to get to the next level? Yeah. <laughs> and, and in that moment, I was like, oh my God, like this book that we're pitching about what are you willing to compromise is now causing us to have a conversation about what are we willing to compromise on? <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's awesome. an issue that comes up a lot in comics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so not only you guys are creating a compelling story, but also a how-to guide or a how-not-to guide or a blueprint, if you will, as well. So it's, uh, I mean... I think what, it's what less I, guide than it is just bringing up the question. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's that's, that's a, definitely a better way of putting it, for sure. I, I, I'm, I'm digging it. I, I love what you guys are doing here. You guys come together. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, Nicole, you didn't think that you'd ever be in the comics. Now you're co-creating comics, and you have these amazing credentials under your belt and you, I mean, now you, yeah, Dark Horse. So how did you guys pitch this to Dark Horse? How'd this come along? Um, so we put out a graphic novel through Silver Sprocket in 2019, 18, 2018 called Fuck Off Squad, um, which is okay, kind of a- write this down. <laughs> it's a coming of age 
queer romance story about skater kids in Los Angeles. Um, Nicole drew it and I wrote it. And um, that was the first kind of like long form thing. I mean, we'd done long form stuff, but that was the first, I would say in air quotes, real Baker goo or goo Baker joint. That's when it like started to all come together. And it's funny because when you read it, you can see what eras the book was produced in where it's like, they're figuring it out. It's coming together. Whoa, this is cool. So the beginning of the book is like, we were figuring it out. And then by the end of the book, I feel like we kind of became the comics making Voltron that we've been since then. And like, now it's kind of like refining and refining and really putting together the pieces of the puzzle. And you want a visual representation of what I was talking about of my learning process. That is fuck off squad. <laughs> All right. Right on. No, and I, that's I, not you, to you, say that's not to say it's not good. It's still a good book. It's just you can see somebody leveling up page by page, you know, that's my favorite thing to watch, really, because I, I mean, I, I, I'm an appreciator of this, uh, this, I don't know, this industry on like an insanely weird level. I mean, I, I, I really really enjoy the people that make these books not as almost as much as the, the 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 stuff that they're making themselves you know so to see this the story and watch the development through the actual medium that i'm enjoying i don't know i just i get a kick out of that man i i love seeing the early works of someone and then later on going jesus christ are these the same people but i loved them both i mean how, <laughs> how is this they're so i mean they, uh, it's it, it's fun to watch so fuck off squad just i mean the, the title has me right right then and there i mean i'm all about that <laughs> shit um so yeah no i'm 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 anxious to 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 see you know as uh someone that's attempted to experience that pain myself you know uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fun stuff for me fun stuff um so but yeah so our, our the book basically fuck off squad came out from silver sprocket and uh an editor at dark horse found us at a convention connor Knudsen sweetheart of a human found us at a convention and was like hey there's something here to this fuck off squad thing what else do you guys have what do you want to do and uh i sent him some some pitches some ideas some artwork and uh he was like uh, no offense to these other ideas they're cool but like this tulip thing looks great especially because nicole like she's you know we were we were already partway through the book because previous to publishing Fuck Off Squad with Silver Sprocket, we had self-published everything we'd done. So we had kind of tentatively been planning on doing that with Tulip or rather we weren't waiting for someone to tell us yeah. that they were going to publish it. Um, we were happy to pitch it around and, and talk to people about it, but we were just going to make it either way. And so we had probably half a book by the time we started talking to Connor um, so he had a lot to look at and a lot to um, be able to see that we had were able to do it in proof of concept, obviously. Um, and um, yeah, he really liked it. And, and we ended up signing on with them. So. Oh, yeah. As somebody that reads a lot of Dark Horse, I know that they typically uh, they, they, they do a lot of miniseries. Um, so is this is this uh, going to be it sounds I mean, you said 180 pages it sounds like it'd be more of a maxi series, like eight to 10 issues is what it sounds like. Yeah, basically, the, right? the whole the whole book is coming out as one volume as one graphic novel. Um, there's going to be no serialization or mini comic oh, okay, cool. version of it other than we ourselves are serializing it online at everyone is tulip.com but other than that 
um, which you'll be if you can read right now if you want like the first like 40 or 50 pages three pages go up a week uh, mm -hmm. the book comes out uh, in comic book stores June 16th in bookstores June 29th and uh, where you know it'll be one single one and done graphic novel you'll be able to go in read it you won't have to have any other context you can read the story get really depressed ask yourself a bunch of existential <laughs> questions about what you're willing to do in order to get what you want cry yourself to sleep wake up the next morning and be like you know what my life's not that bad i'm not going to i'm not going to think about this thing anymore and then leave it on the shelf for the next couple of years uh, and then the next time you go to watch YouTube and you're sitting there you know, going, oh, I wish I were them, maybe not have that feeling yeah. as much anymore. Yes, you know, absolutely. Uh, See, that, that you're, take, you're... take away that, that the feeling of uh, envy that just absorbs us all as uh, wannabe creators. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. You're 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 picking it up. <laughs> I, I, I'd like well, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I dig it, man. I dig it. It's it's it's, it's it really is an interesting concept. And um, I. I don't know. I'm open to this stuff. You know, I, I don't, I feel like the, the blueprint of comics has just been, I don't know, burnt up lately with all of these amazing new indie comics that are being allowed to be made now, you know, mm -hmm. um, this stuff like this, um, maybe something like this could actually be made into a movie, but most comic books that we, we, we see now, um, it's, uh, it gets made into a comic because Hollywood doesn't want to pick it up because they only make like 11 types of movies. Now with <laughs> comics, there's there, you could, you could make anything you want and there, there's no boundaries. There's the budget's always going to be about the same. It's all based off your artist, you know, um, it's, it, it, I don't know. It's, this is, this is the medium to be in now. And this right here is furthermore proof that, I mean, there, there is no limits to what you could put in a comic book form story. I mean, this is. I love it, man. I, I really do. This is, uh, I don't know. Now you no, have me all I completely, I completely agree. And I think that there's also a really interesting convergence happening where, you know, I think prior to the last decade, unfortunately, there were kind of non-commercial comics that were made for literary circles. And then there were commercial comics, which nine times out of 10 is either some sort of genre retread or it's somebody in spandex. And those are like the only two options. And now we're getting a bunch of like really cool, weird mixtures of the two comics that are abstract in nature, comics about, you know, uh, conventionally uncommercial topics, but done in an interesting and accessible way to readers, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like our books if these books were released in the 1990s, they would probably have not looked as nice because Nicole wouldn't have been drawing them. They would be, you know, somebody that has a very more like scratchy kind of in air quotes, I can't draw, but I draw anyway style, Pretty you cool. know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, you know, the, the slice of life yeah. genre in air quotes that was yeah. so popular in the you know late 90s and early 2000s mm -hmm. you know jeffrey brown that that kind of you know every girl is the end of the world for me is not that different from what nicole and i do it's just nicole and i do it maybe with a little bit more polish because nicole's a better illustrator than either me or jeffrey brown and and you know probably with a, a couple more female characters that are a little bit more well-rounded and there's no soldering of uh you know those little weird wooden shoes that they wear in holland <laughs> Clogs. Clogs. Thank you. I couldn't remember because Jeffrey Brown, there's the whole comic about Jeffrey Brown working at a clog 
place, but I couldn't remember the name of clogs. Um, but you know, what, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's such a great time to be making work because there's all these companies who are seeing the book market and are seeing these influx of new readers who want cool, weird stuff. And they're like, well, we honestly don't even know what the market is in a lot of ways anymore. So fuck it. Let's roll the dice on this talking horse, uh, stand-up comedian tv show maybe that'll make money you know what i mean like it's there's such a it's such a everything is is fair game now yeah but then also not at the same time because people still think that they know what's gonna sell and it's so bullshit oh yeah but but we kind of i don't want to say we lucked out but um i think at the time that we started pitching this book to connor dark horse also kind of started making this push towards book market full length OGNs, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And um, we kind of fit right in because I think we offered or discussed doing the book in issues as well for comic shops and and um, to be on the shelf. But I think there are a lot of books out there that are serialized that are no longer being written as serialized books and they just don't work as well in that format. And I think our book is one of them. It, we could have finessed it to make that work, but it works better as a full length book. And um, timing wise for us, that was very good because Dark Horse is trying out that side of the market a little bit more. And, yeah, that's, and there's, that, that's where they profit the most actually is uh, complete editions. I mean, the, the, I mean they, they have the, the, the video game market with their complete editions on a, a chokehold that, I mean, Marvel wishes they can make that kind of money. You know, I mean, seriously. So, I mean, uh, the fact that they do so well with those completed books, they don't have to put those those video game books uh, out in issues. So, I mean, it, it proves that you, I mean, they already have those statistics to back that this could work. And I, I mean, I believe it's going to. I, I, I like the idea. You know, I, I'm a collector. I love my single issues. But at the same time, stuff like this, I mean, I... I would be upset if I had to wait 12 weeks or 12 months to get, you know, for, for, to, to get all the way through this, you know, yeah. I would uh, start at one, you know, I don't know. I, I would rather have to wait 12 months to be able to get it all than start one month. And then just, I don't know. It's, some things are better bingeable. And I, I don't know. Dark horse understands that. I think you guys definitely made the right move. Um, I, I think it was more than just, uh, you know, luck and happenstance. I think it was fate that dark horse chose you guys. Cause I mean, uh, the only other person I know that's kind of, or a publisher that I know that's doing it like this is kind of Scout, you know, when, when they mm-hmm. do their, 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 uh, um, I forget what the nonstop imprint now is what I think it used to be called. Yeah, it used they, to be called, they, yeah. they release like a first issue, right? And then yeah. they release and then the, the rest trade. is in trade. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, so it's, it's cool to see other, I don't know. I think this is the perfect uh format for for this story as somebody that's actually had the opportunity to check out the beginning of it so um yeah i, I think you guys are you're gonna kill it on all of this um i i <laughs> I, I, I do i i think this is this is your time i mean everybody is going to know who the fuck nicole goo and dave baker are if i mean not that they don't know already we got no they, they, they don't know who the fuck i am let's be real well, i, I mean know, I, they, I want to talk about the people that know who the fuck you are dave um <laughs> you sir uh you, you wrote star trek and so i or i mean yeah, I, yeah that's that's a big deal, man. I mean, that's... The, it's the, a big the, deal to me. I'm a huge Trek nerd. Like, literally right here on my drawing desk is, like, you know, is a fucking Tuvok 
toy. Like I, <laughs> I'm a huge Star Trek person. So it's a big deal to me. Like it's, that's to me, like when I, when I finally got that email that, you know, the miniseries was going to get published. I was just like, this is, I'm going to die. I'm going to get hit by a car. Even though I don't leave my house because it's 2020, a car is going to walk up my stairs to my apartment, knock on the door and then run me over because there's no way that I'll be able to live with how happy I am because I got to fucking write a Star Trek comic. And, you know, I did. It's crazy. That, that, that's that's amazing man so um i i admittedly i i, I respect star trek i never really got into it myself because I, I don't have patience i mean that's a smart people thing and i i was <laughs> I, I didn't put myself in that category at an early enough age so uh that is it, it missed me but i was always i had so many friends and still do have so many friends that are trekkies and it fascinates me how just Fuck, you think Star Wars nerds are crazy? Trekkies, like, they could tell you everything. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, to the episode, to the minute in the episode that the thing happens, it's it's, it's unbelievable. So you yeah. get to write this thing that's, you know, I mean, you, you, you got Trekkie eyes on you. What type <laughs> of pressure are you feeling there, Dave? I mean, uh, no, for real, like, a lot, yeah. Because Nicole and I did a Trek comic together, and... I think it came out really well. I'm really proud of it. I'm excited about what we made, but it was the finished form of it. I thought from my part could have been dialed in a little bit more. Like I could see some, some seams in it that I wished I had gone a little bit further with. And so when this came out, you know, when, when the, when I got the email of like CBS approved the pitch, we're doing it. I was like, okay, no, stone left unturned like this literally might be the only opportunity that i get at bat to write a long term long term like continuing star trek book it's the first voyager comic in a decade like i'm gonna swing for the fences and i i, I did my best you know i mm-hmm. i treated it honestly i treated it like a, like i was writing a period piece film where i picked a specific time in the Voyager timeline literally down to the episode like I know in the timeline where my story takes place in between the two episodes I know where all of the other characters that aren't in my story actually were during the story so that I could make sure that it didn't conflict with anything continuity wise I re-watched the beginning of season four the first 12 episodes even though mine takes place in between episodes three and four four and five ish like I wanted to make sure that I took notes on everything just in case something came up. So like, there's a bunch of like character beat stuff that is related to the stuff that happens in the fourth season. There's a bunch of verbal ticks from the actors that I incorporated into the dialogue of the, of the book. Um, I took it really seriously because that's what I want, right? When I'm reading an X-Men comic or a Star Trek comic or any of these kind of long running shared fictional universes, I want the people involved to be really taking it seriously and doing their due diligence because comics are fucking expensive, man. $4 for 20 pages. That's bullshit. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. You can buy a novel for like six bucks. No shit. (laughs) No shit. But you know, with that parameter of like, look, I don't get to set what they're going to charge for this comic. So I'm going to try and jam it full of as much stuff as I can. And I'm going to try and make it the best I can. And 
the story I ended up telling was my version of what I would want in a Star Trek comic. It, uh, it basically follows Seven of Nine as she goes on her kind of first away mission away from Voyager, where Voyager's traveling through the Gamma Quadrant and they find a ship adrift in space that's sending out a, a hailing frequency asking for help. They go on board and they find this reptilian ancient alien race that has been in hibernation for who knows how long they wake the aliens up they're like bro you all right what's going on man why is your ship adrift and the leader of the alien race is like oh fuck our ship's been fucked up for like a thousand years and we didn't know because we were just in hyperspace well this must be meant to be and janeway's like "Mm, what do you mean why was it meant to be and that's my that's my that's my catherine janeway impersonation and uh and uh the, they, they find out that the alien race's culture all revolves around story and that there are two kind of tiers. There's like an upper class and a lower class. And the upper class uses the ideas of narrative and a protagonist and the hero's journey and, and the concept of story to oppress the lower tier. So they tell them like the reason that you guys are basically indentured servitudes is because that's your role in the story of life. You're yeah. meant to play this part. And I, as the, in air quotes, oppressor, am meant to be the protagonist. I'm meant to be the one who makes changes and makes decisions and goes out and, and fights for us. But I will protect you because that's my role in the story. And we shouldn't break the confines of this story because the story is a sacred thing. And so Seven of Nine is on board this ship. She befriends some of these lower class aliens and starts asking questions because she's a Borg and they all have, they all share a hive mind. So they don't have a concept of, you know, a hierarchy or a, or a, a, you know, individual nature where one would oppress another. She's kind of like just asking innocent questions. And then that unravels this culture for a few key characters to the point where it inspires kind of a Spartacus esque uprising where certain characters are kind of actualized and they, they, take up a crusade for their inalienable rights. Shit, did um, I just become a fucking Star Trek fan? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that sounds gnarly, man. Out. Shit. Um, I mean, I, look, man, if you want some recommendations of, like, cool Star Trek episodes, I got you, homie. There's, right. I, I'm, I'm, down to, I'm down to try and convert, uh, <laughs> convert you to, to, to the, the way of the Federation. You may have um, just opened me up to that suggestion, man. I mean, because, I mean, that, that, that sounds like a pretty fucking amazing story. I mean, Star Trek or not, I mean, it just you could put any names or characters behind it all. It sounds amazing. Thank um, you. I, I dig it, man. So, I mean, you obviously, I mean, you you have a following as well. I mean, once once you're in the the, the, the Star Trek realm, uh, Nicole's nodding, you know, he <laughs> she knows. Um, so, uh, it's between... Look, false false humility aside... I know my role and my role is to be the let's get the band together and do some cool stuff guy. And Nicole's role is to be the money. Nicole is the Hulk Hogan. I am the Vince McMahon. I'm the one that's like, all right, we're going over here. Let's do the thing. And then I walk down with my crazy arm motions and and, and write the book. <laughs> Vince, Vince approves all the storylines, you know? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there you go. There you go. See? Also, Vince is a racist piece of shit uh, who fucks yeah. everyone over. So maybe I don't want to be Vince McMahon. But, well, but then mean, again, Hulk Hogan's a racist <laughs> piece of shit, too. So maybe I don't want to be Hulk Hogan either. 
uh, yeah, we'll find a better analogy next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe let's just not lean into people who frivolously use racial epithets. That's that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> oh man, oh, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, between fuck off squad and potentially, you know, becoming a new uh, Star Trek fan, um, I mean, we, I, I have somebody on this podcast that did fucking Batgirl. Like this is this is this is a good day for Brian and the Cheers to Comics podcast. I mean, I've uh, I've got a lot to look forward to with uh, the the remainder of this story. Like I said, I stopped off early and you know had to leave myself on a teaser, and I'm glad to know that this is going to be bingeable. Um, and uh, just you said uh, June 19th? June 16th, 16th in comic book stores, or maybe 17th, 16th or 17th in comics, 17th, comic 17th so, okay. in comic book stores, and then June 29th in bookstores. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think the book is, uh, it's pretty cool. I don't, I don't think there are many comparables in a good way. Like I think there's stuff that's stylistically similar or kind of spiritually similar, but I don't think there's much, you know, this isn't like the next superhero comic or the next zombie comic. No, it's, it's the, the first something. It's the whatever exactly. it is. It's the first of it, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll find out. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll know more of what exactly it is when, when we get a read, I have a pretty good idea, though. I do. <laughs> I have a feeling you guys are blazing trails, uh, setting up, you know, storylines and ideas for a lot of potential creators out there. You know, I mean, I uh, just, just reading this on my own, if I were a, uh, a, a creator myself and had the, the, the capabilities and the time to, to sit down and try to create something, I mean, just after, my, my mind is so blown as to how, how much further you could take comics just after this first issue. Um, I, I never would have thought that you, know, you could turn this this uh, this influencer type of thing. Something that I particularly talk about uh, often, you know, because I'm always I don't know as somebody that's trying to do what I'm doing in a in a very different way. Um, I have interest in it for sure, and there's a lot of things that I you know steer away from. I almost uh, like this might be a guide for me as well personally. So I, I have a lot of reasons to be excited about this. Is what I'm saying. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, man, you guys to take the time, dark horse creators to come on this podcast. I know you folks are busy. I can't wait to to see what else you you two are. I know that you, this isn't the last stop for the two of you working together. I know it's not. I mean, it's no, it's not. We've in fact we've got a whole book already done. Um, we're no working sense. on some new stuff now, but we have a. We have a book called Forest Hills Bootleg Society, which is going to come out from Simon and Schuster uh, in the summer of 2022. And that book is about um, like a, a group of uh, kind of teenage girls in a conservative Christian boarding school in the middle of nowhere, California, who start selling hentai to their male classmates. And they kind of amass a, a smuggling bootleg DVD, you know, drug ring <laughs> and uh and yeah it's, a, it's a... alan moore <laughs> <laughs> this sounds fucking amazing where do, oh, where do you guys come up with this shit jesus christ man this is oh, i can, I can tell you where we come up from it and it, it always is wouldn't it be funny if yeah it's always it's always that yeah no i mean it, it's it's amazing what the two words what if could come out come, Come about that i think they're the most powerful world or words in the english language when put together uh even more so than i love you is what if <laughs> um uh, it's uh, the possibilities are endless with with, with 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 that being the 
the subject of uh, or the start of the, the conversation and um, for, for you guys to understand that and for, for these to be the conversations, the what if conversations, the real life shit that, you know, it, it, we, 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 it's right in our faces constantly, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's overlooked somehow and oh man i appreciate what you guys are doing for for comics and i'm i'm so excited for you guys as creators um i i i, I don't know this has been an absolute pleasure for me uh thank you for letting me ramble at you <laughs> this is a lot of fun um man uh do you guys have social media nicole do you have a social media spot i'm sure you gotta show up yeah somewhere. yeah so my um twitter is just nicole goo my full name and my Instagram is ngu, last name spelled G-O-U-X. Right on. Oh, and my website is just nicolegu.com. Awesome. Uh, yeah, my, my stuff is, uh, if you want to watch videos of me drawing or talking about old, weird comics history stuff on, uh, on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, it's xdavebakerx. Um, I also have a podcast. Uh, that okay. I do with my friend Andrew Price. It's a kind of deep dive explainer podcast about weird and obscure topics. Um, like we did an episode about a man who had a disease or a, a, he had a fungal infection that got so extreme that his penis fell off and then he regrew his penis on his arm. What the What's the name of the yeah. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Deep Cuts. Uh, we also did an episode... Uh, about the history of Napster, um, but oh, we did it a as a fucking story. It's super trippy, but the, to make it even more complex, we did it as a musical. So there's <laughs> eleven original songs in which Andrew, my co-host, and I sing or co-sing the songs together about the history of Napster. Um, and we also did we did an episode about Buckaroo Banzai, uh, the cult film starring Peter Weller from the 1980s, written by Earl MacRoush and directed by W. D. Richter. And uh, at the end of the episode, we were able to get Mac and Rick, uh, Earl Mac Roush and W.D. Richter, to create a 10-minute radio play reunion for two of the characters from the Bucky, Buckaroo Banzai universe. And we got their original actors, Pepe Serna as uh, Reno the Kid and Billy Vera as Pinky Carruthers, to be in the scene together. No um, shit, man. Yeah, so it's pretty fun. It's a it's a it's a good time if you like weird, obscure stuff, and or listening to me be a jackhole. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could be into both of those things, man. Um, <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I'm definitely gonna follow that Instagram too, because I know that you know we talked a little about how you created comics, and but we never really talked about how you know you're you're drawing. Oh um, yeah. So sure. uh, I I. I I don't know. I have a feeling there's going to be a part two at some point in time. I, hey, I think you guys are going to be back. Uh, we're, I, we're game. We're game. Right on. This is this is once again. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you both so much for coming on. The book is "Everyone Is Tulip" uh, out of Dark Horse, June seventeenth and 29th everywhere else. So, uh, uh, get on it, people. Get on it. Um, you two, please stay safe. Thank you so much again. Don't stop creating comics, especially together, because this is. This is one of those future power duos that I hey, think it's hey, gonna, hey, yeah. hey. Uh, fuck you, Lee and Kirby. Fuck you, <laughs> Lee and Kirby. I can hear the chants now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, I, I thank you so much and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Well, uh, you guys, please take care. We'll, we'll talk yeah. soon. Thanks again for having us, man. Thanks.
I am Leighton. And I am Christy. And this is Cheers to Parenting. A couple's guide to parenthood. On this bi-monthly podcast, we'll pull a topic from our parenting tip jar and then discuss. Using parenting skills we've learned over the years of parenting our three children. Which combined gives us 60 plus years experience with the good, bad, and ugly of parenthood. Perfect kids? Nope. Expert parenting? Absolutely not. But it's worked for us. Give us a listen at anchor.fm slash cheers to parenting pod. Advice from birth. Until you get them off your payroll. Well, there you have it, people. Another uh, another episode in the books. A couple more creators. Consider them cornered. Dave Baker and Nicole Goo. Man, just add... Uh, uh, everyone is Tulip. It's just one more heavy, heavy thing to add to their incredible resumes already that's expanding rapidly. Be on the lookout for these these two. I'm telling you. And, uh, most of them probably already know who they are, to be honest. You know, um, I, I might have become a Star Trek fan in this podcast. That might have happened. Um, you know, uh, my my outlook on manga was uh, uh, it's been slightly altered in some way. Um, I mean, I'm not a manga reader, but knowing that you know a, a manga artist can c- come over and uh, kick ass like Nicole is, um, uh, that's uh, that's it's impressive to me. I admire that so. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm a fan of these two, and uh, I hope you are now as well if you weren't already. So, yeah. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. If you've made it this far, then I think you're obligated, if you haven't already, to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I think it's in the rules. If you make it um, 45 minutes into any podcast at all, you're automatically obligated to leave a five-star review. And if you don't, they come for you. Um, and who they are and what they do to you, you don't want to know, people. You don't want to know. So, uh, yeah, just keep that in the back of your head. Leave a five-star review. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, uh, shit, I think that's all I got for you. As always, I command that you stay safe and read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics podcast with Brian Wayne. This is Drew Zucker. You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. This is Mark Russell, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Good morning. Brian Wayne here to tell you about my new podcast, The Real Brains. The Real Brains podcast is a show coming out daily dedicated to the everyday struggle of just the average human being. From troubles with rage to uh, anecdotes about uh, very strange human interactions, this podcast really is just a uh, somebody that's all too familiar with the struggle. I'm here to let you know that you are not alone, so come laugh at uh, our pain together every single weekday, every place you can catch a podcast. I got the real brains with Brian Wayne. Remember, stay sane.